Welcome into the show, Lee Benson, Grant Benson, back in to talk some OU football. The Sooners at BYU this week, 11 a.m. kickoff, 10 a.m. local time in Provo, Utah. And as we record this on Wednesday night, OU is a 24.5 point favorite. Coming up on the show today, we're going to read your three-word reviews from the win over West Virginia. We apologize. Yes, we forgot to get to those on Sunday morning during our previous post-game podcast, so we will get to them today. And I think it'll be good, though, because it'll serve as a way for us to talk even more about that win over the Mountaineers after I've completed my full rewatch of that game. Also, the Big 12 tiebreaker story is out there, popping up big today on Wednesday, so I guess we have to talk about that uh, as well as Oklahoma's matchup with BYU of course kind of important we'll make our weekly picks at the end of the show we always do that talk about the big 12 and you know I would understand if a lot of you don't stick around for that because it's not about OU really it's about the rest of college football so if you skip that fine but perhaps the most controversial question of the podcast I will pose to Grant I'll ask it later and Grant's going to be disgusted some of you might be disgusted with the question but also during the argument, I'm going to win the argument, and I'm going to use some of Grant's logic, and he's going to be like, what? So it's going to be fun. So that's stay tuned for tease. that. That's a, that's a pretty good tease. It's, I mean, I, I can see, I, I see the script in front of us. I know what the topic is. It's, you have not a prayer at this. You're, it's, it's just wrong. Just no. But it, 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 could be, it could be good podcasting, so we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Indeed. Professional tees. I worked in the business for a while. I don't know what to do. Let's go to the three-word reviews. Three-word reviews to start the week, the 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 week uh, midweek show. There we go. There we go. And we'll go to the West of Everest Facebook page. Lots of loyal top fan listeners chiming in with your three-word reviews. Philip says eight total touchdowns. Uh, Dylan Gabriel, what a day! And I guess we'll use this. We can, you know, we can use some of these prompts to talk about the game, other stuff that came up. I know. Uh, Brent Venables was asked about Dylan Gabriel and hey you know they all talked about his future I mean because he can technically come back next season and Venables talked about how no they haven't really discussed that I believe before the season began Venables mentioned that uh, Gabriel wasn't going to be here next year I mean he's like yeah like that's not going to happen so anyways I, I just don't I it's possible I guess he could come back but I just like to think that there's been some sort of agreement where it's like yeah this was it for Dylan and Jackson's the next guy and so I don't know if you have any thoughts on this but it came up at the press conference yeah it's been um I mean it's been a topic of conversation this week because they did confirm I don't know if we talked about this on Sunday when we were recording um maybe a little bit but yeah they're they're redshirting Jackson Arnold and so I think that's just sort of where it where it came up organically and I think a lot of people have started to kind of just like ask the theoretical question is like well I mean Gabriel does have an extra year of eligibility he could come back I mean what I is OE really in the position to say no to a guy who is, you know, I and in my opinion has been, you know, probably a top six or seven quarterback in college football this season? Um, I don't know. I guess, to, to, you know, where you fall on that, I guess, probably depends on just kind of how you look at the sport, development, the future, et cetera, et cetera. I don't know. What, what do you think? I mean, I, I, I'm very... I'm 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 like I I get it like I can talk myself into oh it'd be cool to come back with you know a quarterback who's about to start his fourth full season of starting who has a lot like you can talk yourself into it but also um, I I want to see someone who's got a little bit more ability. Yeah, I mean you can make the argument both ways. I mean the idea of a 
a, what a, a super super senior or whatever. I mean, he's been playing for a long time. I mean, I, you know, being the quarterback at OU's first season in the SEC, yeah, yeah, okay, that's that's great. Yeah, but personally, I've seen enough. I, I'm ready to move on. I think Dylan's been great for two years for the most part. He's done his job, but I I do think. I mean, I know that it's just a it's an opinion, and there's no way to back it up, but. Uh, you know, Jackson Arnold, sure, he has less experience. Maybe he'd make some, uh, you know, may, maybe he'd make some mistakes or more mistakes this season. But I kind of think that if Jackson Arnold was just a starter all season long, starting against Arkansas State and was playing all the way, I mean, I, and obviously health, if he was healthy the entire time, I just think he would give Oklahoma a, a higher ceiling on, on, you know, this season and, and moving forward. That's just my opinion, just because I think his ability is that much better than Dylan's. Honestly, I think they'd probably still be eight and two even if Arnold has started every game this year. The losses and the wins would probably be in different games. Maybe, yeah. I mean, maybe they lose to Texas. I don't know. I mean, Dylan was great in that game, especially at the end. I mean, he'll, he'll always have that. I mean, he, he's a legend in the OU-Texas game. I mean, that, that final drive was incredible. And he had a great game. He ran for a lot of yards, and you know, he's been great. But I'm, I'm ready to kind of move on. Maybe he's a uh, – I don't know. If he wants to keep playing, because I understand the argument. It's like, oh, you know, this quarterback class is kind of loaded. Maybe I can – do better but I don't his stock may not be higher at the end of this year than it is now so he might just and let's be real I mean he's he's short in stature his chances of being you know an NFL quarterback like I being a starter are very low I and mean, maybe he, he could be a backup somewhere I mean heck Tyson Bajent's a backup for the Bears and he played D2 ball so I mean anybody can do it. I mean Dylan Gabriel could certainly be a backup if Tyson Bajent can uh, but at the same time you know it's just like Maybe he's a guy that maybe he would grad like he could grad transfer, go somewhere else. Like wouldn't have set out a year. I don't know. Maybe he'd go. Maybe maybe Jeff Lebby will get hired somewhere and he'll go play for Jeff Lebby at his next stop for a year. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean it's interesting, and um, I know I I, th- I think Dylan Gabriel does deserve a lot of credit this year because I I mean I think he's I think he has been really good this year and and honestly in one of their losses against Kansas. He wasn't allowed to dictate that game and put his stamp on that game. Uh, we all watched that same thing. So it's and and I thought against Oklahoma State he played well for the most part. Um, it just in that game it just kind of mysteriously they did not leverage his legs. Which man, I've been saying, I've been saying since halfway through last season that is his number one asset as a college football player is his legs. And um, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're getting into, into other things here, but Dylan Gabriel's been good this year. There's a very good chance that he is going to be the Big 12 player of the year, and he deserves it. All right, moving on. We'll stick with the West of Everest Facebook page. Another top fan, Harry, says Drake Stoop Show. You know, I think I kind of downplayed Drake a little bit the last episode. The more I've thought about it, the more I've kind of decided that uh, I'm just I'm really impressed by him. Uh, he's, he's getting kind of everything out of his ability. Uh, but at the same time, it's in my mind, it's kind of like, yeah, that's what you should be doing. Like he's doing. I mean, I know he's probably going above and beyond. He's you know, he talked about how he's been the the you know the building ten hours a day, and I can't imagine everybody's in the building ten hours a day. And he was taking advantage of you know his last year in college, and you know he's going to try to make the NFL and great. And like, you know, my thing is that for somebody like Drake Stoops, who has his ability, which is a lot, uh, and he's got the most out of it, but also comes from the background of you're Bob Stoops' son, and so you're constantly just around all of these smart talented players and coaches growing up and you just know how everything kind of goes with big time college football I would kind of hope that you would kind of know a lot more about this kind of stuff than just the general player and so therefore him taking advantage and being smart and making sure that he's there working on his body and watching film 
I kind of just maybe it's not fair to him, but to me that's kind of just like yeah, I expect that he, he should be doing that because he should know better than everybody else. And you hope that his teammates that he's influenced that you know since he's been there in Oklahoma has kind of taken the page out of his book and be like, oh, this guy knows what he's doing. His dad's Bob Stoops. Like he's been around football his entire life. He's seen incredible players and coaches go through. So maybe maybe you kind of follow him, do what he's doing, and you'd hope that some guys have kind of followed along with him. So I'm happy that he's on the team. I think he's having a great year, and it's you know I hope he has a lot of success, and it'd be kind of cool to see if he could make it to the NFL. Drake Stoops is good. He's always been good. I've been saying he's an NFL player for the last two years. He's just little, but I mean, what's it's just too bad. It's too bad. He never got to. It's too bad. um, Sixth year Drake Stoops never got to play with Baker Mayfield because he would. I mean, would have had a 100 catch, 1500 yard season with Baker Mayfield. (laughs) I don't know about that. Yes, he would have. Drake's a really, really good college player. Did Baker get anybody 100 catches? There's so many great players. I mean, he threw these were the Marquise Brown, either D.D. Westbrook, through the C.D. I mean, Mark Andrews. There's too many guys. There's too many guys that get you know, 100 catches. You know, I was texting with my buddies. I, I think if C.D. Lamb would have played in like a Jeff Lebby offense, I think he could have gotten 100 catches. The way, the way, uh, especially looking back at Lebby's previous stops at UCF and Ole Miss, they'd have guys with like two players with like 70 and 80 catches apiece. Like the way how good C.D. Lamb was, especially at the end of college, uh, and how much they're getting the ball to Drake Stoops and. I think, I mean, maybe maybe 100 is a little much, but like, I mean, because CD's max is like, a what, lot. 60, I, I'm, 62? I'm being hyperbolic and, there, I, I, but like, I mean, yeah, CD would have had a, I mean, Marvin Mims got peppered with targets last year. Like, that's not a, like, that's a thing. Like, they, they tried to get Marvin Mims into the game as like a, as a rule last season, consistently. And so I bring that up, and mainly it's because I watch Ohio State, and Ohio State clearly their game plan every time is to get the ball to Marvin Harrison Jr. Like, that's, we're going to get him the ball. Whereas, like, Lincoln Riley, great offensive mind, he's never, he was never a guy that's like, we got to get the ball to our top guy. Like, he would always just, I'll scheme things up, whatever. And look at CeeDee Lamb's numbers, especially as in 2019 with Jalen Hurts. And it's like, I think he had 62 catches or something. And it's just, yeah, it's, yeah, no, it's, they, it's good good year, but he, he should have done a lot more. We said it on this podcast on, in 2019. There was, like, I CD should have gotten six or seven more targets per game than he actually did. All right. So next, oh, we got some a uh, little bit of criticism here, but also potentially just uh, for fun. Ned says, what are you going to whine about on the podcast now? Oops, I went over my three-word allotment. Well, you know, Ned's posted a lot. Let, Ned's a longtime listener. I, I, don't, I think maybe that's, maybe that's tongue-in-cheek. I don't know. Uh, I whine I don't think we whine about anything I mean we I think we're we provide measured OU analysis fair or foul <laughs> and uh Jared comes in to uh def- to defend us saying whine I think you're thinking of a different OU football podcast like literally all of the ones that aren't this one <laughs> thank you Jared <laughs> but to answer your question yeah I mean you're about to hear me whine about people caring about the big 12 tiebreakers oh, okay well hey maybe ned's got a point there you go ned that's the answer uh, this this big 12 tiebreaker thing over to shelly another longtime listener shelly says drake never disappoints and shelly also adds that it was so much fun watching oklahoma state and ucf <laughs> in that game uh, i don't know if it was uh, i mean yes I'm, I'm happy that you had fun to me it was annoying because i thought oklahoma state was better than that and uh, i was wrong not a very good team. 
They're a fine team. They're fine. They're they're fine in the sense that they are a bowl eligible college football team. I think they're a good team. I think they're a good team. I think it's a little tease ahead to the, uh, one of our segments later. I think there's a lot of good teams in the Big Twelve, actually. And I'm tired of you running on the Big Twelve. Matt says, "Where's that been?" Well, uh, the first six weeks—that's where it was, Matt. And then uh, for about a month, apparently, it just went into hibernation. <laughs> I think. Uh, how about this? Hunter with the the exact same exact same one. Hunter back to back says, "Where's that been?" Uh, and he says, "Good to see the ground game improving." You brought that up last show, Grant. Like, I mean, the the last few games, Oklahoma has gotten the run game going. It's solved. They're they're running the ball really well now. Just now, just. Throw the ball north and south, not south, just up. Throw it up. Don't, up don't, field. don't throw it south. Uh, Dan says, that was great. Refs still suck. Drake's the man. Gabriel was awesome. Hey, can More I actually, of that. Sorry, can I, because, you know, the refs still suck comment. Can I whine about something else here, please? Sure. The pass interference flag that they threw on Kanai Walker in the end zone was clearly pass interference and or holding. And I'm, I'm kind of tired of hearing people use that as an example for why the refs suck. The one on Woody was weak. That wasn't a very good call. The one on Kanai was textbook, textbook holding or PI. Was the one on Kanai where you, you couldn't really tell until they showed the reverse angle? And the reverse angle and, and he was just, I mean, just a complete hand full of jersey tugging, pulling. Yeah, and it, and the the angle we saw was like right. It was like POV of the ref that threw the flag. So it was like exactly what the ref saw. And also, I think that's that's why Woody got flagged too, because Woody did the same thing. He also grabbed and pulled. Like it wasn't very clear, like live. And I thought live that was an I, I was mad. I thought that was that was good coverage. And then they showed the reverse angle of it, and that's probably where who threw the flag was the 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 ref from behind in the end zone. They probably saw it from behind, like the camera showed that grab and tug and it's like it's kind of small yeah but don't grab and tug for the love of god you don't have to you don't need to you're good enough sometimes but I'm just you get like, away with it but yeah but i mean it's just it's it's a little i mean there there was a lot of egregious stuff happening in that oklahoma state game and even the kansas game as well hold those up as as examples not not correctly called plays kind of a sidebar i, I was watching in preparation for this podcast, BYU and Iowa State from last week, and I think maybe even, yeah, some, I watched BYU and West Virginia. I think BYU-West Virginia, I think that's the one. There was like a couple of obvious like targeting calls that like w- that would have benefited BYU that the refs just didn't even even think to even throw the flag on. Just helmet to helmet, guy like looked concussed, happened again like a couple plays later, nothing. And it's kind of like, all right, like, I'm not a big like let's rip on the refs guy because it's just kind of like whatever. I mean, the refs are good, the refs are bad, whatever. No, I like, am. But some like with the head to head stuff. Well, okay, I, let, refs let me, are let bad. Me rephrase that. There, there are very few good refs in any sport. They're all bad. There's not a single good baseball umpire. They're all terrible at their jobs. <laughs> okay. Anyways, uh, more from Dan real quick. Dan says, has has a nice note for us. Dan says. Thanks for the podcast. I drive a truck and wait all week for podcasts to drop. Makes my day so much better. That's that is high praise, Dan. Very much appreciate it. Thank you for listening. Yeah, thanks, Dan. That's very uh, very much in the same boat that I'm into. Caleb says Gabriel with eight. <laughs> Reginald, how about this from Reginald? He says a tight end sighting. How about that? See, uh, Randy Park says kick some butt. More complimentary football, just keep winning, and stoops for president. 
I'd have to wait about another uh, another another 18 year. Well, I guess he's not 18. I guess he's what 20, probably 22, 21, 20. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's got a little bit of time for he's eligible. Uh, Justin says much more focused. True, true. Ben says refs hate us and Drake is good. Tim says bipolar offensive coordinator. That's fair. Uh, very different than what we saw the previous two weeks, previous three weeks, really. Uh, Shane says Carol's boy, good. Of course, Carol Stoops, talk about Drake. Uh, Bush League Conference. <laughs> Uh, see, that's, like see that. this is all fine, and that's, I mean, that's the angle that I'm going to take here when we talk about this tiebreaker stuff. It's, yeah, I mean, the Big 12 is a freaking joke, clearly. <laughs> okay. Uh, more on the West of Everest Facebook page. Mike says, like the unity, referencing the uniforms. Hey, more, Peyton, this is a, a very uh, popular three-word review. Peyton says, where's that been? Heard that a couple times. And then finally, Alan says, that didn't suck. Thank you for posting on the West of Everest Facebook page, and there's a few on Twitter X. Oh, Ryan Chapman comes in. Of course, Ryan from the franchise. <laughs> I mean, Ryan, I, I appreciate this, Ryan. This doesn't have to do with the game, but he says, love you, Lee. I love you too, man. Right back at you. Thanks, dude. Thanks for listening. I'm not sure if he listens. Probably likes Twitter, though. Uh, Ann, Ann, long-time listener, says, we got this. Okay, Ann feeling some positivity. The couple games left. <laughs> this Sooner Steven, this is very popular. Where was this? So that's, that's clearly the, uh, the popular one. I was like, what, where, where was that? Uh, and also complimentary foot ball. Longtime listener Josh says, money make Drake. I like that one. <laughs> also, he says, oh, hey, Stogner. And the refs suck. How about this? Tim says, Lebby said, bet. No doubt a reference to all the Michigan players that were tweeting out bet before they played Penn State after the whole Jim Harbaugh thing and they backed it up they won and covered so I mean yeah you gotta them. I mean them playing you know for the memory of their of their fallen coach Jim Harbaugh yes, who, yes. Who, who who unfortunately passed away last week that was very sad yeah they, they played for that one 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 for the Harbaugh for the Gipper by the way has there been any Updates on like I assume they're gonna try to get like some injunction so he could be on the sideline. I have not heard a peep about that story since Saturday. Have you? Are they like waiting to see if he can coach? I don't know. I, I, mean, I, I, I don't know. It's just it's silly. They're. I find I found that whole thing galling. I, you don't. There's I, I there's nothing more revealing and more chicken s in in any modern life than doing something wrong. And then crying and playing the victim afterwards. Don't do that. Don't freaking do that. I mean, I don't. I don't oh yeah, I guess they've talked about uh, them winning, but I mean, and I'm talking I about Sharon. Sharon Moore, OU grad, by the way. Um, oh really? Yeah. Be it in the, okay. And 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 the post game, uh, the post game thing, you know, crying his eyes out, saying oh, of all the hardships they went through and coming in that environment and winning, just bawling his eyes out. Shut up. Shut up oh yeah there's no hardships there i mean they're and that's the thing is like michigan they're yeah they're, they're not gonna they're not gonna win the title they're not they're not dynamic enough on offense and yeah it's just kind of like all right do your thing because the t's ahead the conference they play in right now it's pretty bad it's pretty top heavy there's a, there's like two good teams maybe three outside of that yeah maybe four the rest of the conference is a cakewalk and you don't get challenged but you know what you do get challenged in 
week to week for the most part, the SEC and also the Big 12. And at some times, the Pac-12. All right, over to Steve. Steve says eight scores. Ooh, eight scores eight. That's pretty good. Eight scores eight. Nice. Brett says Sawchuck looks great. At Ah Jabroni says, which Lebby will we see? He uh, combined will we see into one word, so we'll take it. Uh, OU Boom says, positive brand representation. Still on Twitter X, Michael says, big response game. Indeed, indeed, yes. Lots of intensity and just win, baby. And finally, Dan Park. Dan always has a lot of creative three-word reviews. Dan says, can of whoop. Eh, we'll, we'll keep it. We'll keep it clean. Whoop butt. <laughs> even though i'm pretty sure that's fair to say like on radio and stuff but yeah we'll be we'll be tvg tvpg here uh complimentary football defined <laughs> lebby wakey wakey <laughs> uh run dylan run that's pretty good i don't that was the best dylan's looked all year i think running even i think it looked better even than texas like he looked quick he could like his agility was great uh i, I don't know i thought something he looked way different in that game than he had looked since the, the texas game I don't know if anything had happened to him. If he was like nursing a bum wheel or something and he got healthy. I don't know, man. But to me, he looked different. Uh, almost done. Dan says, General Stutzman reporting for duty. And then finally, as a good way to end it, he says, what could have been? Should have never lost to Kansas or Oklahoma State. Yeah, that's kind of where you're at. But, you know, with two games, two games lost, and then you win that one, it's kind of like, well, you know what? That's the way it is. We just got to kind of move on and hope Oklahoma can go 10-2 and two in the regular season. All right, thanks for your three-word reviews, everybody. I apologize again that we did not get to them after the game, and hopefully you all didn't turn this podcast off because uh, we did three-word reviews to start, but I kind of wanted to go with that because the listeners, you guys are what makes us a thing, and we forgot about you before, and so we wanted to make sure we got to you at the top of the show this time. All right, Grant, what's next? So we just do some OU talk, kind of – some prompts, or do we get to this Big 12 thing? Let's just get into the Big 12 thing so we can kind of check some boxes. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, mean, I got to be honest with you. This is, you know, for the last month or so, you've been kind of talking about how you just you cannot be bothered to care about the, the Michigan scandal or whatever. Um, and th- this, is, this is my Michigan scandal right here. I don't care. It's, this is the most boring story I've ever seen in my life. Breaking news, the Big 12 is incompetent. No way. I don't believe it. This is bad that you don't care because I also don't care. And so I've just kind of seen small bits and pieces, some tweets of you know some of my buddies, my former colleagues in the media. And I honestly, it's bad because I, I want to say like, well, can you sum it up for me? But I'm afraid that if you do, you're going you're gonna to give it to me with some sort of like crazy bias that is not true. And then if I try to sum it up, I'm going to be wrong because I don't know what the story is. All I know is that from the OU side of it, the bias, like pro OU, because that's like most of the people I follow, it sounds like the Big 12 apparently is favoring Oklahoma State or something, or they're, they're making a change. They're changing the rules. I, you, you tell how much I care about this? Because you know what? It's, it's not going to matter unless it actually happens. And if it gets to that point, great. Then we can talk about it. But I, OU's got BYU. they got to beat BYU this week. And maybe don't lose two games to make this even a possibility. How about that? And see, this is like the funny thing. I think, I think maybe like a decade ago in my fandom, I would have cared more about stuff like this, but it's actually not. It, it's, more, it's more Kansas State. Kansas State's the one who is getting, quote-unquote, the screw, like screwed the most out of this. 
Um, but it's literally just one scenario, and it was the scenario of essentially all of OU, Texas, K-State, and Oklahoma State, if they all went out, what happens? Texas would obviously be a first place in the conference. They would be go to the Big 12 championship game. But there would be a three-way tie between K-State, Oklahoma State, and OU in that situation. And how the rules were understood before they came and clarified them, it would have gone to some sort of elaborate tiebreaker when it's obvious in a three-way tie between those three things that Oklahoma State should very obviously be the team that goes because they beat both of those teams. And so they clarified their wording to make it so that is the case. So if there's a three-way tie in that scenario and one of the teams has beaten both of those teams, then, then that, that's the team that gets the precedent. Which, of course, that's right and everything. And honestly, I didn't know enough about it before they had to clarify everything. And so I understand why people are upset because it's, hey, we go into this season understanding one thing and then you're changing it at the 25th hour. I get that. I understand that. I think where people really start to go off the rails a little bit when they're talking about conspiracies and everything like that, no, it's just incompetence. And that goes in with the, with the officiating as well. It's just incompetence. These people are just bad at their jobs. That's all it is. Everyone who, well, everyone the- who has been at a desk job or anything like that has, has worked for a corporation in their lives understands in real life how low the bar actually is. There are, a lot of, there are a lot of really big dummies and incompetents out there doing day-to-day stuff. That is no difference in college football. That's, that's, that's all that's happening here. Well, isn't the... I mean, you say that they, they're changing it. Isn't the, the controversy of the Big 12... Didn't the Big 12 say that, no, we, we have not changed anything. We're just clarifying it because people are asking. And so that's what people are saying is... I hate, I hate the term people are saying. That's what uh, I've seen some journalists say. I've seen some fans say. I'll be precise. So, like, I, I don't want to... It's my biggest pet peeve. So uh, saying like they're saying that they, they, didn't, they didn't change it, but here's this wording from the original tiebreakers and it certainly seems like they've changed something and honestly like I don't even really understand I've seen the original wording and it's kind of confusing and I I don't know to me it, it's just not it doesn't yes I agree the big 12 is a joke uh, I will always give the big the big 12 credit though I feel like I always need to clarify this too I will give the big 12 credit and Bob Bowlesby credit in 2020 for being all in on playing football with the SEC and like not being like the Big Ten, not being like the Pac-12, make like they made the right decision then. Like that was where it was like, oh, the Big Twelve. How about that? Bob Bullsby, okay. But yeah, certainly like many other instances, the Big Twelve is kind of a clown show. Uh, so sure, like I, I don't know if this is clown show status. To be honest with you, it's just a tiebreaker thing that they probably had it worded maybe weird, but I don't even, I don't think they changed any rules. They probably had just it, some incompetent write it up for the first time, and it didn't sure. really make it through peer review really well. Which is what happens in this stuff. So I and um, I I, th- I think the most interesting talking point that comes from this stuff, and this is, you know, hat hat tip to George and all the other Sooner Scoop guys who talked about it on their pod today. But the most interesting like ramifications of any of this stuff is just it makes it even more bare doing large conferences with zero divisions and just putting the top two teams in is stupid. It, it's 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 going to create a lot of issues. Divisions existed for a reason. Yeah, because that was—I mean—that was the thing, right? They—they they obviously for a couple of years they went away from the Big Twelve title game because they lost teams, and it was like, oh, we're going to play everybody." And then the Big Twelve decided, "Oh no, we're not having a title game is hurting us. Make a playoff team," which I guess technically that's probably true, um, but that's just a whole other situation where it's like, man, I just hate the fact that Big Twelve or that conference championship games exist to begin with. I mean, but we've had that—they're they're not going anywhere. 
And this is one yeah. of the silly things yeah. just about college football in general. It's it's one of the charms of the sport, but it's also one of the annoying parts of the sport. That when you get out of your conference a lot of the time and on the national scene, there are not clear rules for how to qualify for big things. It is all subjective. I mean, it's, it's not really, but there's nothing written down on a piece of paper that says you have to do this and this and this and this to qualify. It's, it's why, it's why I, I think it's really dumb that the playoff committee operates from only the principle of the four best teams unequivocally. Because right now, like I'm going to tell you, what's like in the Big 12, OU and Texas are the two best teams in the conference. I, that's, I'm, that's just the reasonable take to have at this point in time. With, with maybe Kansas State there too, on the outside. But like I, I don't know if you use if you use the logic of college football on a national level. Why shouldn't like if 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 Oklahoma and Texas uh, both are like are one and two, and there's like a combination of tied or whatever like that? I mean, what's stopping the Big Twelve just saying, yeah, it's just OU and Texas? And they'd be very consistent with the rest of the sport. You mean like no matter even if uh, they don't have the best records, it was like yeah, you know, we're gonna put these two teams in the championship game because. We think they're our best teams. Well, yeah, I mean, when you when you go down like the rabbit hole of comparing schedules and everything like that, and you have these big major conference or these big mega conferences now, the schedules are not going to be all alike. And so, yeah, like it does it does bring up some interesting questions. They talked about this on this on the Sooner Scoop pod too, but like, shouldn't like shouldn't Oklahoma State losing by forty two points, literally six touchdowns to UCF, and losing by twenty six points to a five and five Group of Five team? Shouldn't that kind of count to how people perceive them right now? Of course it should. If you're not if 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 you're not going to be consistent with the rules and stuff like that on every single level. Yeah. All goes into it, but that's just kind of this is why and there's just this is one of the reasons why for years and years and years I will always stump for more playoff teams because when there's more playoff teams and there's there's you can get more people in there's more room for air throughout the season. I mean, a true great playoffs would they'd have to shorten the regular season. They'd have to get rid of conference championship games again. That's never going to happen, unfortunately. Until I'm the until I'm the, the commissioner of college football and I tell the SEC to shove it. Sorry, guys, uh, we're going to do this. We're gonna, it's going to be better than the product we have now. Sorry, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's just when there's when there's more teams that get in, there's more chances, and like these arguments don't happen as much. And I know some people like to say, well, then what about like. There's always going to be the argument of like the, the, the 14th best team or like the 17th best team. And, eighth, and it's like, okay, yeah, sure, cool. You have those same arguments with the NCAA tournament with like, oh, who's the 67th best team and who got snubbed? It's like, yeah, but like nobody cares about that because it's like, yeah, there's 64 teams. It's a lot. And if there's 12 or 16 playoff teams, I think there should be 24. It's, it's not going to be that big of a deal because there's, there's a lot. And I mean, sure, to be consistent, I will be here arguing until there's 24 because that's my favorite number of a playoff because that's what – FCS does sure I'll, I'll be on your side of like hey yeah you know 16 seed 17 team that got left out yeah they have a case because I think there should be more teams in but it's still going to be better than us doing four teams and it's like man like legitimately a conference champion was left out because we only do four teams like a, a big time conference champion so anyways we're gonna get that next year and we'll get a chance to all see it and see if uh it's it's better or worse or the same I don't know I say it'll be better well I mean and in an expanded playoff, conference championship games are redundant. They make no sense at all. Yep. Um, but Who cares? but it's also but it's and it's it's turned into a cliche now. But it's absolutely true. The expansion of the sport and the direction the sport is going is because of TV revenue. 
and those conference championship games, especially the SEC championship, are just it's the SEC championship game is like is a top five most watched football game in NFL or college in a calendar year a lot of the time. And like you yeah, just I mean, cannot. The, the SEC gets like all that money, and you know, you get rid of all this stuff like that. You put more playoff games. There'll be playoff games that are also going to be watched as much or more than the SEC title game, and there'll be more of them. And then I'd like to think like, that's the, the SEC case too. likes it because the SEC gets all the money. I believe. But yeah, I mean, I would. It's. Yeah, I mean, like, and I think I mean that the 2014 playoff, you would absolutely have to do away with conference championship games. But there's your. Um, right now, college administrators, athletic departments are very, very short-sighted. And it's all yep. about how much money can we get in our coffers right now. And they're not thinking about the... Which is why we're at where we're at right now. So it's... But whatever. I mean, we'll just... We'll, we'll still keep watching and the sport is still good, even though... I kind of find it odd. We were talking about how much parity there is this year and how wide open it is. And this is the first time that I can remember in my entire fandom's history and this is not even in just the playoff era, that we've gotten into the final two weeks of the season, and there is an undefeated team in every single major conference. I don't remember ever seeing that. That wasn't, a, that wasn't even a thing in the BCS. I didn't even notice that yet. Yeah, interesting. All right, let's move on. Let's talk uh, as much as we can about OU and BYU and just kind of if anything came up. I was kind of going through the press conferences from Brent Venables and kind of looking through some quotes for the players. Got to say, man... Nothing, nothing really jumped out of me, especially when it comes to like the game and stuff. I know the one thing that I thought was kind of like, okay, like we'll see because it's that time of year as Brent Venables talking about uh, loyalty with his assistant coaches, you know, because obviously the season's getting to the end and then there's potential coaching jobs open. The biggest name obviously is going to be Jeff Levy because he was, I mean, I almost said the word linked to the Mississippi State job. That's not true. Just some you know some writers threw his name out there as a possible candidate who knows so i mean but like it's one of those things where i, I kind of like ah like okay loyalty stay and he's kind of like almost comes across as him like hey man just don't leave i'll don't leave OU. but at the same time like venables is one of those guys where he can say that because of his track record the dude was super loyal to OU for all those years and then finally like basically when the weird situation came up with Stoops coming back, Mike Stoops, and it's like, okay, goes to Clemson. He's at Clemson forever and had some head coaching offers that he just decided, nah, that's not for me until OU came around. So, but still, like, is this even that interesting? I, I guess, maybe not. Probably not. Uh, do you think it's even that interesting? You, you're kind of like checked out. Yeah. So, no, no. I cares? mean, that's been kind of the, uh, it's an odd week for sure. It's clearly a week where, they, you know, they're they're going to play probably one of the four worst teams in the conference on the road, and they still need, you know, they they don't control their own destiny to get to the Big Twelve Championship. So I think everybody's just sort of kind of waiting and seeing, and uh, there's just yeah, there's there's not a whole lot to talk about right now. OU just played maybe their cleanest game of the season, and they're going on the road to play a BYU team that has lost three consecutive games by thirty plus points. I'm sorry, they lost by okay, twenty nine so to Texas, but you know, I mean, yeah. Still, so I have a spiel. I here's my I, I have a BYU spiel, take thoughts, whatever, and either I'll, I'll go through it all or I'll go through some of it and then pause, and you can comment depending on where you are. But this is kind of what I got on BYU, and it kind of hints on a little bit what you just brought up briefly. Uh, you know, oh, you just played back-to-back games against 
teams that I think were playing its best football of the year. Maybe even, nah, I don't know if Kansas qualifies. So, yeah, Oklahoma State certainly qualifies, and West Virginia certainly qualifies. I think they're playing their best football of the season going into their games against OU. OU is 1-1. One one. They, they slap down West Virginia. Obviously, they lose Oklahoma State. Uh, after those two games, now they face an opponent playing its worst ball of the year. I mean, BYU opened 3-0. They even beat Arkansas on the road. And I know Arkansas is not having a good season, but I think this current BYU team probably is not going to go into Fayetteville and beat Arkansas right now, even though Arkansas is not playing good football. <laughs> Would you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, they were pretty, they were pretty lucky to win that game too in, in September. Okay. So since that 3-0 start, BYU's lost 5 of 7, including the three-game losing streak that Grant mentioned. And BYU hasn't even been like, competitive in these games against Texas, against West Virginia, and then last week against Iowa State. I think this team looks demoralized. Number one, they're down to their backup quarterback, junior college transfer, name is Jake Retzlaff. And to be honest, I'm not so sure how much of a downgrade he even is from Keaton Slovis, who's since the start of the year, since the first month, he's been mostly awful. And so I'm not even sure if Retzlaff is much of a downgrade. It's kind of like about the same kind of guy. Uh, so watching Retzlaff play, he's a big, big guy, big body guy, kind of likes to sling it around, but not very well. Uh, he can move a little bit, though, and you brought that up a little bit on the last show. Uh, and so that's one of the, the reasons why they're kind of like demoralized. They're getting their butts kicked, and they're down to their backup quarterback. And they're not just losing games. They're getting blown out in games, and they're getting blown out quickly. Like the games have been over almost immediately. Like three weeks ago against Texas, they were down 21-3 to at halftime. Versus the Longhorns, by the way, as you all remember, probably playing their backup quarterback. Ewers didn't play in that game. So they're down 21-3 to a backup quarterback. Two weeks ago against West Virginia in Morgantown, they're down 27 to nothing at halftime. Where West Virginia, I was watching it, were not presenting any sort of competent passing threat whatsoever. And yet, West Virginia just ran the ball right down BYU's throat over and over and over again. Like well over 200 yards rushing in the first half. And then there's last week at home. So the, the previous two were on the road. Then they finally get home where they played a lot better this season, BYU. I've mentioned it multiple times on this show. And it's over now, apparently, because they go home against Iowa State and trailed 31-7 to at halftime. And the first offensive snap for BYU was an interception. And after Iowa State converted that into a touchdown, on the ensuing kickoff for BYU, they fumbled it and gave the ball back to Iowa State and Iowa State was up 10 nothing before like two minutes had even gone by in the game I mean it was essentially they, they did answer to make it 10 to 7 but after that Iowa State just did whatever they wanted so this is a bad football team right now Grant but but I feel like I'm obligated to say this because it's college football and it's just sports and football in general they could be a very dangerous football team considering this might as well be their bowl game I know they're 5-5, five and five, so technically they can still make a bowl game with a win. But they've got OU, and then they're at Oklahoma State to end the season. We already know they're three-plus touchdown underdogs in Oklahoma. They're not favored to beat the Sooners. And then they've got to go on the road, where they've been terrible this year, where they're going to be double-digit dogs Oklahoma State as well. So Saturday, basically their bowl game. It's senior day. It's their last home game. And it's the one time Oklahoma is coming to Provo? Kind of a weird scenario. Like, it's... Who knows if that's going to happen again? So hopefully the Sooners 
are taking appropriate caution and not overlooking this bad football team right now because, uh, it, again, there's, there's the ingredients for a weird game. It's just the only question is, does BYU even have enough talent to take advantage of it? I lean to no, but just wanted to point that out there. I feel like we're not doing our jobs unless we point out the potential pratfalls of this game. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Um, I'm, I'm not sure, I guess, add you know a little bit more to the, to the BYU hype train. Um, if, you, if you've watched any interviews this week with their head coach, Kelani Sataki, um, he sounds dejected. He sounds checked out. I think there was a soundbite where they kind of asked him about, like, why, you know, why is the defense playing so poorly? And I, his, his comment was like, you know, I'll, I'll let you know after I watch the film, but my guess is that there's a lot of guys just not buying into what we're trying to do here. That was his, I mean, that's what he said. Um, and then not I, today, I'm, I, actually, I don't know if it was today or yesterday, but he said that that Keaton Slovis is 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 going to play in this game if he's healthy. He added if that qualifier yeah. at the end, and so I will. I don't know how I feel about that because one thing the one thing that we can say about OU's defense at this point in time, which we all know is a lot better, um, but they, they you can throw on OU's defense. Just there is no doubt in my mind that you can throw on OU's defense, and you can do it just by scheming some simple things up. And I I think it's. And I've come to that conclusion, especially after last week. Garrett Green is an awful thrower of the football. He's so bad throwing the ball. Yeah, that showed up a lot on tape against BYU. Like, if he was any good, they'd have beaten BYU by even more. He missed so many throws. Way too many chunk plays in the passing game against, uh, frankly, I mean, maybe the worst passing offense, non-G5, that that OU has played this season. I mean, they are, Garrett Green's just hideous when he's got to throw the ball. And um, Keaton Slovis has played a lot of college football, and so we will see if he plays at all. Um, but I also, I, I think um, they have a couple of guys who I think are pretty good. They're, they're two leading receivers. Um, the main guy, I'm, his, his name is escaping me right now, is literally right in front of me, but then but Isaac Rex is their tight end. These are two guys that I mostly just recognize from getting lots of yards when Zach Wilson was throwing to him. So, like, it's, it's different. But um, they do they do have some receivers who have made some big plays in college football. And now knowing that if you watch OU's tape and if you get in max protect, there's probably going to be some guys open down the field. Keaton Slovis played enough college football to execute those at least every now and then. That's There it is. That's the danger spot for OU in this game. And also, we haven't brought it up, weather might not be great. I know a lot of people have kind of scared about precipitation what i'm looking at now it's still saying zero percent of chance of any rain or anything but it is going to be overcast and it is going to be high 30s probably when the game starts as of right now it looks like there's no not a lot of wind but it's in the mountains that can change at any time and uh i don't know i mean there's there's enough at least circumstantial evidence out there to suggest that jeff levy maybe sometimes turtles in weird weather and it gets scared to point. call a full game plan. And so how is that going to happen? Now, if it's, if it's overcast and 39 degrees at kickoff with two mile an hour winds and OU does not have the full allotment of their offense available to them, then that would be a big WTF moment, big time. Because <laughs> if it's 39 degrees, two mile an hour wind, and, and you're playing football, you should be totally comfortable. They're, they're not cold on the field. Maybe guys standing no. on the sideline no. are, but guys playing are not cold. And either, so, I mean, either way, man, this is, I mean, this is, we're going back to basically the same discussion we had before the Oklahoma State game. 
Oklahoma State has a bad defense. BYU's defense is worse. They can't stop the run. They can't stop the pass. It's, they're in the hundreds in total defense. Uh, it's a team that Oklahoma's starting to get the running game going. They should be able to run at will on BYU, which also then they should be able to pass on them. And so this is a game. I'll say the same thing I said before the Bedlam game. This off, the offense should score 50 points against this team. This team is not good. I mean, they're, they're getting their butts kicked. Uh, you mentioned Sataki kind of seemed maybe dejected in his interview. This might have effect on the game, might not, but I kind of just found this interesting because you don't see this very often. Did you see that BYU did not practice on Monday this week? The, the game week before Oklahoma, they did not practice, and it's because of, I'll say it, a, a, a really stupid rule that like the NCAA put in in 2020 around, do you, you recall them putting in like a rule where around election time, it requires players to have a day off either on election day or then they amended it apparently a year or two later to say, oh, okay, there's some flexibility. This required day off can be within 15 days of election day, either before or after. And apparently BYU has, they chose this previous Monday, two days ago to have their required off day weird uh, so i mean so technically they're they're a, a day behind in preparation for oklahoma i mean maybe they need it though so yeah i mean so maybe, maybe they're maybe it's so actually it's like maybe that's coming at the perfect time for them because it does sound like they probably needed a day away from the, fo- the the football they've lost three in a row by an average of five touchdowns so yeah no that's that's a good argument that's a good argument i mean we all know that sometimes you just got to get away from stuff and clear your head and uh, but also, I mean, it could be that could be a good thing, or also they they could be a day behind in preparation. It could be a bad thing, and you know, one day's one day's a thing. I think it's big. Yeah, but but so also, and then like I I don't want to put too much stock into that. But also, this is this is a BYU team where even like the analytics and all of that stuff said even when they were three and zero that they were a bad football team. So and like they got I think they were five and two at one point in time or something like that. Analytics a lot of times said that. They were very lucky to be five and two. So per SP plus, which everyone knows is my is my favored analytical system, this is the worst team that OU will play in the Big Twelve this season. They are 80th in SP plus, which is bad. That's really bad. That is about where uh, the West Virginia team they lost to last year was. Oh, okay. Last year, I was like, what? It's like the current West Virginia team's not that bad. No, the current West Virginia, they're at like 50-something. Um, it's just, yeah, I, this, this, this is not a good BYU team. They're not the worst team in the Big 12. I'm pretty sure Baylor and Houston per SP Plus are worse. Um, but it's, still, it's bad. I mean, with, when you're, if you're a Power 5 team and you're in the 80s, you're, you're a bad football team. All right, well, that's all I got on that matchup. Be careful. Be careful. That's we, all I got to say. We said it last week. This is this is Oklahoma versus Oklahoma. And I like it is. I, I hate to say this. I hate to make it this simple, but this is how I felt after watching the Kansas and Oklahoma State games. If Oklahoma shows up and decides that they want to win this game by a lot, they will. I look at that number. You know, I think you predicted that it would be like 19 and a half. And I, I thought that kind of seemed low, but I didn't I didn't provide a a rebuttal number so 
we'll go with yours. But I mean, it's 24 and a half. And that sounds like oh, that's, that's, a, that's a lot. That honestly, that might be too low. I mean, they should, they should really beat the crap out of this team. This team's bad, man. This is a bad football team. But so you on the road. Oh, you, I mean, they clearly enjoyed coming back home and playing in front of the home fans against West Virginia. A beautiful night. But just like that, back away, back on the, back on the road. Who knows? Like that weird start time. Yeah. Gosh, if I'm just Stay like, I, and like, I, I understand the difficulty of playing on the road, like when the environment is like, and it's hard to communicate and there's just so much, but I don't even like the concept of being like intimidated by a road environment does not make a lick of sense to me. Like I, I can understand it's like, Same. oh yeah, this is, this is challenging. This is hard to communicate and everything like that. But how would you not just be so fired up, so excited to go out there and just. I think the biggest difference. No, I'm with you. I, I, I would bet that players, yeah, like crazy environments where it's super loud. Okay, that's one thing. I would bet the biggest thing for players when they play on the road where maybe it's different is just the routines off. It's, it's different than when they're playing at home. And they play more games at home, so there's more, there's more games and more days where you do that, that same thing, and so it just feels normal. Whereas it, every single time you go on the road, I'm sure they try their best to keep it the same as much as possible but obviously you're in you're always in a different city different hotel that's got to be the biggest thing but i mean I, and i'd hope a lot of these players embrace that i think it's fun but still they're all human and that's got to be the even if they enjoy it it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be the best thing for them maybe that's the the answer isn't it crazy that ou went like we're not that far removed ou went six straight years without losing on the road and that was i mean that was i mean they i think it was they lost in 2014 at TCU, and then they did not lose again on the road until the COVID year when they lost at Iowa State. Isn't that nuts? Whew. Or true road environment. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We're to the, uh, the prompt that I teased at the start of the show. Let's talk about it. So here's my question for you, Grant, and for the listeners out there. Everyone knows the SEC is the best conference. It's, it's been that way for a long time. SEC is very good. Not going to argue that anymore. There was a time when I would, I would argue it against it. Here's why. Won't do that anymore. SEC is number one. Here's my question, though. Is the Big 12 actually the second best conference in college football this year? I say it's possible. I'm not going to say yes def- definitively, but I'm going to say it's possible. And that's because the Big 12, from top to bottom, according to your analytics grant, all your analytical models, SP+, uh, let's see what they are, uh, uh, K-Ford, FPI, FEI, all of your analytical models, the Big 12, out of all the conferences, except for the SEC, has the most teams ranked in the top 50. So, and that's either 9 or 10. And so that means throughout the entirety of the Big 12 schedule, there's a good chance you're not going to go, you know, one, two, three games in a row without playing a pretty good team, a team that can beat you. That's, that's ranked in the top 50 of all these analytical models. Whereas you go to the Pac-12, sure, at the top they're pretty good. If you want to break it down to, you know, like teams in the top 25 of the analytical models, the Pac-12 look pretty good. Pac-12, SEC, pretty good. Uh, they'd beat the Big 12 in that. But from top to bottom go to the 50, 
The Big 12, right there with the SC, and I'll break it down. So let's start with, uh, where should I start? Which one do you want to do? SP Plus, FEI, FPI? What, I, we'll go F, SP Plus. You like SP Plus. SP Plus. I looked at the, uh, the rankings of all the, all the teams, including what, FCS and D2 or all the craziness that he does, but obviously I just took out the FBS teams. Number one, not surprising, Pac-12. Pac-12 out of SP Plus in the top 50. Hold, hold on a second. Okay, yeah. Okay, sorry. I was on the wrong conference. Uh, 11 teams. They have 11 teams in the top 50 of the SP+. So that means that only three of 14 SEC teams are ranked outside of the top 50. Those three teams are Arkansas, Mississippi State, and Vanderbilt, who's woefully at 130. Vanderbilt might be, yeah, they're one of the worst teams, maybe the worst Power 5 team. That's 11. Next up, the Big 12 with nine. Texas, Oklahoma. Kansas State, Iowa State, TCU, Kansas, Texas Tech, UCF, Oklahoma State, all ranked in the top 50 of SP+. West Virginia at 54 just outside. Cincinnati, BYU, Houston, Baylor, bringing up the rear. Next to the Big 12 is both the ACC and the Pac-12. The Pac-12 has seven, and the ACC have seven. Pac-12, Oregon, Washington, Oregon State, Utah, UCLA, USC, Arizona, ACC, Florida State, North Carolina, Clemson, Louisville, Miami, Duke, NC State. And bringing up the old rear, not surprisingly, because that's not a good conference except for the, at the top, is the Big Ten with six. Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, Iowa, Maryland, and Wisconsin. That's SP+. Now, let's go to the FEI. I think you made your, I, I think you made your point. You, you made your point. I, like, I, you, don't, you don't need to go on. Okay. Well, it gets better from there because... Uh, the, the rest of them, FEI, K-Ford, um, what's the other one? Like, I'm, I'm going to sit here and disappoint you because I FBI. think I think you wanted to bait me into, into like a Big 12 versus Big 10 debate. I'm not, I'm not going to have it. The Big 12 is better than the Big 10 this year. The Big 10, the Big 10 has been the worst Power 5 conference this year. Oh, okay. Well. Like, I, you're not going to get really any sort of argument from me there. Um, honestly, yeah, I mean, I'd say the Big 12 is probably the third best conference. I think the SEC and the Pac-12 are far ahead of anyone else this year. Um, and yeah, I do like these analytical models and granted, yeah, I, I think if you take a, uh, if, if you take all of them together, you get an average of them. Yeah. I've seen the same thing. The Big 12 has been very competitive in that all year. It has. Um, what I would say is that... What I would say is that the Big 12 is essentially Texas, Oklahoma, and Kansas State, and everyone else is pretty mediocre. That, that's what I would say about the Big 12. And that's why I push back. It's like all year, like, for example, like last week, you know, like o- OU, uh, you know, we were talking about how West Virginia is playing their best ball going into the OU game and kind of, hey, who knows what OU team's going to show up. And then OU runs West Virginia, and we came on the show, and you're just like, yeah, that, that defense sucks. Their offense, it's like, yeah, yeah but West Virginia is like, not very good. They're not any but good. They, but they are, but. They're a good team relative to college football, I think. And like West Virginia, it, it'd be like if uh, OU beat up on, well, this is not going to help my argument. <laughs> I was going to say they beat up on Wisconsin, who's not a very good team. Uh, let's see, who else? Um, NC State, comparable ranking to West Virginia. Um, let's but like see. also you're, you're including like, you're including teams like TCU, his, who is 37th in SP plus, but they're four and six. Right now, is TCU a good team? They get, they're clearly competitive. 
Was OU a good team last year? OU like OU was was five and five last year and was like fourteenth in SP plus. Were they? Well, yeah, was OU a good team last year? Yeah, I mean, they OU could beat you. I guess maybe that's the thing. Is like, can a team beat you? Can they, can they knock you off? And I would submit that there's a lot of teams in the Big Ten that really can't beat you, <laughs> that aren't gonna aren't gonna threaten you. Michigan State, Indiana, Northwestern, Illinois, Purdue, maybe Minnesota. If their offense can score a couple no. points. <laughs> no. Uh, apparently, Rutgers is having an okay season, which is kind of shocking. Uh, and then I, I've heard that Matt Rule's doing okay at Nebraska, but I, I, I guess maybe they're winning more games, but they're still kind of mediocre. So I, I think the I middle in college if, if football team, this season has been really bad. Like, I'm, you look at, and like the thing is, like, you think Oklahoma State is like a pretty good team. They're 45th in SP. It's not, a, not a good team. team. Not a good team. It's an okay team. Five points better than the average. That's what they're they're rating in SP Plus is 5.3, which means they're five points better than an average team in FBS football. Yeah, that's a pretty good team. I think we're we're getting uh, bogged down by language then. I mean, you want to get to the, I think, like the top 10, you're probably like an elite team. You know, you're top 25, you're you're a really good team. Like, I think if you're in the top 50, you're a good team, you're a good football team. You're definitely above average. Why not? But like, also, who cares? What's the point? Like, other than just the for the point. The point, I guess, the main thing is, I, and I'm glad you asked that. Is I just, I think when you play in the Big Twelve, you play in a conference with there's there's multiple teams that are kind of right around there that are that are good. It's the same thing that we've been arguing that people in the Big Twelve have been arguing ever since they play. Oh, they got to play every conference team. It's tough to go through, man. There's not very many bye weeks. Like you're gonna, there's a chance to lose every single week, with the exception of maybe a couple. And you look at Michigan's schedule. You look at Penn State's schedule. That just ain't the that ain't the case. It's, it's not. I mean, they're, I mean, they're good. They're, they're good teams. And like, I'm I'm just appalled by Penn State's analytical rankings because I think it's that's ridiculous. They're like in the top like five. Like their offense is terrible. I, it should. It, their defense is great. I'm not sure how their offense is allowing them to be like so highly ranked, especially whenever you see a team like TCU you mentioned, who's you know bad. Like they're losing, but yet they're ranked so high. So like they take certain things to account. I don't know how Penn State's like to me. The Big Ten is basically Ohio State and Michigan right now, and kind of Penn State depending on the day. Outside of that, I mean, Iowa can't score. When they play anybody that has a pulse, they give up points. That the teams that can score, yeah, man. You're not gonna, those, like, I don't people. think the Big Ten's good this year. Like what I what do you? I've said this numerous times. I don't like this is yeah. I guess you this are is hard like on the my Big Ten too. But this has been my disappointment this year. Like I. Like, I get it. Like, your point is taken, and I understand that. And usually I'd be, like, I'd be right on board with you on stuff like this. But I'm sorry, man. I got eyes. I've been watching college football for a long time. That Kansas team's not very good. That Oklahoma State team's not very good. Period. Yes, they are. They're good teams. That's the thing is, that's what's so difficult about college football. I said it before. There's a million teams. Like, you, like just because they don't look that good against Oklahoma, but they beat Oklahoma. Like, they, they play well. They're, they're good. They're a good team. I wish there was more non-conference games throughout the year. I wish, I wish they got a chance to see these guys play against the different conference teams because I think that yeah, would I mean, show the teams, you that. I, I do think there's better teams. They, they are good teams. Okay, friend Lee. Lee's going or Michigan is going on the road this week to play Maryland. Maryland is six and four and they're thirty fifth in SP plus. Would you be like all? Uh, Maryland's a good team. Maryland's a good team. Yeah, they're good. No, I, yeah, Mar- Mar- and Michigan's, yeah, Michigan's probably going to beat them by forty. Probably going to absolutely stomp them. And after That'd that, you're gonna be like, "Yeah, the Big Ten's garbage, not a good team. It's every everything is just really easy." 
No, no. That would be an impressive win. Maryland is a good team. They're good. And I gave Penn State credit the other day for, I mean, they knocked down Maryland pretty good. I mean, that's, that's a good win. And it was at Maryland as well. So, yeah. I mean, Maryland clearly is, they're a good team. That's, and you know what? Michigan's playing Maryland after they played, I guess, a good team in Penn State, which is like ugh, a team that's, like, at least Maryland, in theory, can maybe press them offensively more than Penn State. Because, but even though, like, why not? You got nothing to lose, Maryland. Throw the ball deep. Take some shots. Please throw the ball more than 15 yards down the field because Penn State is allergic to that. No, Maryland is 60th in SP plus offense. Their strength of their team this year is their is their defense. So, and you're still yeah, yes, and I and and like it's it's still it's kind of like a it is ridiculous. It's ridiculous that Michigan is about to go through an entire regular season, and so far the best SP plus offense they faced has been Penn State at 23rd overall. Okay, and next week when they play Ohio State. Ohio State has the worst offense they've had per SP plus since Jim Tress since Jim Tressel was there. They're fifteenth this year in SP plus offense. But That's you know Ohio the- State's going to win this year. But but Ohio State's going to beat them though. Like this is going to be the year they get them. You just know it. That'd be all the weird stuff going. Sure. Michigan, I mean, I don't, they I played don't, a bad I schedule. I don't know about that, but like, yeah, were I mean, they playing it this year? But you know what? That's that is go- that's going to hurt Michigan when they get to a theoretical playoff because they're probably either going to play. Well, gosh, if they end up playing like Florida State. God. Oh man, it's at Michigan. I thought they were playing at the shoe. Now they're playing at Michigan. Yeah, I think Ohio State will probably get them this year. Michigan will be favored by like three and a half, probably. Maybe four and a half. Maybe it'll be the same number as the Penn State game, but reversed. And uh I'll just say right now. But yeah, I, I like, like you're Ohio not State. gonna get a lot of like this just happens to be it. The Big Ten sucks this year, and Michigan has played one of the softest Big Ten schedules you could ever imagine. They have. And they've, st- you know what? They've been unbelievably dominant against it. They have, they have. Although they should have beaten Penn State by more. Penn State's not very good when they play a good team. Come but on. But they just kind of. But even then, like Michigan, like knew Michigan knew halfway through the second quarter that it was over, which is why they didn't throw the ball the rest of the game. They just kept them at arm's length. That's wild, they did exa- man. They did exactly what Jeff Levy was trying to do against SMU, to Penn State. <laughs> JJ McCarthy had sixty yards passing. That's just wild. <laughs> 60 yards passing and you know what like I, I i had i had a lot of similar reservations about michigan going to the playoff last year and i mean you know crap they lost to tcu and they gave up almost 60 points so some of that was confirmed but also that was the first time all year that michigan's offense looked like really explosive and they were moving the ball through the air pretty well and it's probably because tcu's defense wasn't very good and that was the first time that michigan had really been in a situation like that where it's like oh yeah this defense isn't very good we finally got to throw it around a little bit, and they were able to do it. They were able to do it, yeah, but they also, like, you know, maybe if they would throw it around more against Big Ten defenses, they would be oh, able absolutely. to find similar success. Absolutely, yeah. They're not going to. But they never they, have to because they're always winning by so much. Yeah, no, Michigan is not going to get to where they want to get to until they realize that you have to bomb away and beat the crap out of smaller opponents by throwing on them to get your timing down. That, that you got to blow yeah. teams away that in that way. All right, I think that, uh, that that wraps that segment. I think that's enough of that. I, uh, but like, also, yeah, I, just, I mean, it's uh, the it's it's the SEC and the Pac-12 this year. Those those are the two best conferences. I it's I just I, I think I think the Big Twelve outside of those top three teams is just is really mediocre this year. With with four legitimately bad teams: Cincinnati, BYU, Baylor, and Houston. 
and then outside of what's that three and then the other seven teams in the middle are all just kind of average mediocre college football teams say you that's what like, you think. I mean UCF is five and five UCF is better than Oklahoma State I mean, they just beat him by 40 so so yeah I'm, what am I gonna, I'm not gonna argue with you they just beat him on the field <laughs> But like I don't know, I mean Oklahoma State is Oklahoma State's like six and two in the conference though, or is it five and two in the conference? And UCF just won their first conference game two weeks ago. UCF is better than Oklahoma State. Well, on that Saturday they were certainly, but throughout the entirety of the season they have not been better than Oklahoma State. You want to talk about Jimbo Fisher getting fired? I guess we could have talked I just about that on wanted Sunday, to mention it just... because I just I just wanted to mention because it it's interesting. It's really interesting. I mean, his, his buyout was $75 million. If Jimbo Fisher ever works a job again the rest of his life, he's an insane person. <laughs> go retire, dude. Just go, go and be a, a, a couch coach. Just watch and just watch TV on the couch and yell at it. Couch coach. Yeah, I mean, obviously the, the story. Yeah, that's that's a big part of the story. All the money they're paying him to go away. Nothing is better than being a fired football coach. It's the greatest thing ever. I mean, like we we should all be so lucky to be as good at something to where we are in a position where we literally get hired and get paid millions of dollars. And part of our deal is that if the school wants to move you know move away from us, they also have to pay us lots of money just to leave. Like, what an incredible. The fact that that even exists in contracts is just insane to me. <laughs> Yet here we are, and like everybody's got it. So good on those agents for making that a thing. Uh, but yeah, then then the, obviously the other thing that's interesting is who are they going to get? Who's Aiden going to get? And I think mean, we were talking about this off the air, but to me the obvious move is Mike Elko from Duke. He was just there like five minutes ago, and he put together a really good defense. The defense is still really good though at A and M. So uh, the offense has been bad. So like. The question is, who would Elko bring in to coordinate the offense? Because that's what's that's what was bad for Jimbo Fisher. He's an offensive guy, but his offense has been, you know, pretty poor, pretty average, and it's straight out of the nineteen nineties. You know what they need? They need they need to hire Mac Brown twenty years ago. That's what they need. That's who they need. It's like something like that. Yeah. They need a politician. Yeah, interesting. Which is which is kind of I mean yeah but there's a reason that Mac Brown is 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 like you know the only Texas coach of the last forty years to figure out how to make it work at an elite level at Texas it's because you gotta you gotta play the politics and uh, I mean I bet, but from a football perspective right Elko makes a lot of sense uh, but if Elko is not a realistic then of the realistic things then you gotta raid the but you have one A and one B have to be Leipold and Kleiman you are not serious as a football program, if you're not reaching out to those guys immediately. Man, that'd be so fascinating. That's another, Oh, yeah, that's another reason why I think the Big 12 is actually a good conference because they have a lot of really good coaches, too. They have great coaches in the Big 12. Two of those guys that could get rated to go to the SEC. I mean, Neil Brown is like the epitome of an average coach. <laughs> yeah, I think his record's like right at 500 in his time at West Virginia. Obviously, at Cincinnati and BYU, I mean, Sataki's having a rough year. Uh, God, who's the, uh, Satterfield at Cincinnati? Is that right? That, like, yeah, I don't like, think oh, it's uh, not going to work. I don't think Satterfield's working out too well there. Yeah, no, that's that's not going well. I um, mean, you know, Gus Malzahn at UCF. You know, Gus Malzahn, he's a good coach. He can do he can do things. So, anyways, I don't know where they're going to go. Uh, clearly, they 
Maybe they should hold out again and try to hire Bill Belichick after he gets fired from the Patriots. I mean, uh, he's going to be right there. Or maybe they can yeah, maybe they'll try to – I don't know. I, I almost said Jeff Levy, but they're not going to hire Jeff Levy. That would, that's not going to happen. Know, whoever they hire, I hope it's – I hope it puts them in no man's land and I hope it keeps them right where they are because like, I mean, I'm going to say it, it's Texas A&M not being able to figure this out is very good for college football. It's just a really interesting story. Let's talk about the big 12 slate briefly. Cincinnati is at West Virginia. Does West Virginia bounce back from their loss to OU? Probably (laughs) Cincinnati. Cincinnati is not a very good football team. Baylor is at TCU. T- I, you know, I've not seen TCU play a whole lot since the start of the season. I don't know if they're kind of figuring it out. Now I'm looking at all these analytical models that have them ranked kind of higher than I would have expected. Now they're, I mean, Bay- Baylor's not good, but they're you know favored by Bay- you know favored by two touchdowns over Baylor. They push Texas. Is it possible that we're going to get you know Oklahoma's going to get TCU and you know, Black Friday playing some pretty good football? Yeah, I guess it is probably possible. It's very possible, especially if they win this week. They're going to be playing for a bowl game, and it might be Chandler Morris. Oh, in that case, then I wouldn't be that worried because I don't think. And also, you can, yeah, I mean, like we're it's, you can throw on OU's defense, like so. I'm, yeah, anybody who can competently complete forward passes is a threat at this point in time. I wonder if Gentry Williams is going to be healthy again at some point. Sure, would be nice. I think he's when he's actually healthy. He's a he's a pretty good corner out there. So we'll see. Oklahoma State's at Houston. The Cowboys laying seven. I mean, honest, uh, man, like Oklahoma State burned me so bad last week. Back-to-back road games, but Houston's bad. You'd think they'd bounce back, right? I don't know. That's probably a stay away, but if, that's, that's OSU or pass. Uh, Houston opinion. is, I mean, Houston beat West Virginia at home, I, like in a miracle, I suppose, as a few weeks ago, but I, Oklahoma State and West Virginia, two really similar football teams. So I, it's not out of the question for Houston to win that game. Although it's it's unlikely because Houston's bad. Houston is bad. Well, I'm down on my 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 Houston Cougs, man. Because remember, I was I was all about them hitting their over, you know. And I think their their win total was four and a half. Great chance home last week against Cincinnati, and they lost to the Bearcats. They lost to Cincinnati at home. That would have cashed that over four and a half ticket. Now they got to beat Oklahoma State, which is probably unlikely. Then they got to go on the road to UCF. Man, the odds makers, they know what they're doing. That four, I mean. It's unless they can upset one of these two teams, they're the last good chance of Cincinnati, I thought. So possible. Man, I wish it would have just been this is random, we will get there, but yeah, I just I wish you know, that, that Big Twelve schedule that everyone thought was still a really easy schedule for OU and it is. They they've played a really easy schedule this season. Um I mean it would have been nice if that trip to Lawrence was substituted for a trip to a trip to Waco to play Baylor, who who is the worst team in the Big Twelve this year. Man, that's crazy. Yeah, I wonder if uh, my guy will get fired. Probably not. I mean, Baylor's not going to move on from uh, what's his name. My guy, I'm blanking on Aranda. I don't know if you. Aranda, I don't know yeah. if you can necessarily because he's already he's already proven to have he can come back and win the Big Twelve after being the worst team in the conference. Yeah. So, but also, I don't. He won that. He won that league title with all of Matt Rule's players. And yeah. so, I mean, this is this is really his first team where that's that's mainly been full of guys that he recruited, and they're the worst team in the conference. So, eh, you yeah. know, and they've, I mean, it's like they've been like the most routine, like the team in this conference in conference play that has been most routinely like embarrassed. 
like actually like taken to the woodshed. Like I know they beat Cincinnati in Cincinnati and but man, they've been they've been smoked so many times in conference play. It's uh it'd be it wouldn't have been pretty sweet if they ended up being on OU schedule, but Houston as well, that'd have been great. Uh, next one's a coin flip game. UCF is at Texas Tech. Texas Tech's laying three at home. Classic home team by three. UCF in a uh, this is like classic letdown coming off a gigantic blowout win over a ranked team. Now you got to go on the road to Lubbock. So I, you think like uh, Texas Tech's kind of playing a little bit better right now. I think if I'm not mistaken, uh, yeah, they've won a couple games in a row. They just knocked off Kansas. In a really weird game. They didn't not a whole lot of scoring. It was like a like a Big Ten game out there. So I think this would be uh, if I had to pick play this one. I think I would be happy grabbing the tech, you know Tech minus three. I'd probably lean towards Tech as well. I think, and it is because of that. I think it's because of just like the how different both of their games were. You got UCF coming off of what was their their easiest game this season, probably since they played like an FCS team in Week One, and then. Yeah, if Texas Tech, who had a gritty, hard-fought road win in kind of weird weather, and now they're coming home, and the winner of this game is bull eligible. These are both five and five teams, I believe. So Texas Tech seeing probably an opportunity here to maybe salvage their season a little bit. Um, if they can, yeah, if they can win their last two, that's yeah. a seven and five year. And then of course, I mean, if they were to beat Texas in Austin for that, I mean, for Texas Tech fans, they're probably thinking, "Great season, amazing." Difficult, difficult start, amazing finish. Yeah, any any look ahead factor here though for Texas Tech with Texas on deck? Oh, I doubt it. I doubt it because of the bowl eligibility. Because, because of the like, bowl okay, eligibility. We- yeah, this is all about. Yeah, you got to Joey McGuire's got to get his team right in the head this week. If you're yeah, if you're five and five and you got an imminently winnable game here at home on Senior Day to get bowl eligible, and you're looking ahead to a game next week in Austin where you're going to be a twenty point dog at no. Don't do that. And uh, also UCF, you mentioned, you know, they're also five and five. They finish up the year at home against Houston. So even if they lose this game against Tech, they have a pretty good shot of becoming bull eligible. Yeah. So, yeah, not quite as not quite as much pressure on them. Yeah, I think I think Tech here is a good (laughs) probably a good pick. So uh, next one up is the Sunflower Showdown, K-State at Kansas. I have no idea what situation. I know I think I think Bean, Jason Bean is. Maybe gotten some practice reps this week, but I mean, the 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 line is K State minus seven and a half, and I feel like I feel like Bean's probably gonna play because I if if Bean was not gonna play, this line would be two touchdowns with the third string quarterback or off the board. So the only question then would be like, how healthy is Bean? And I'll, I'll be honest, I don't even know what his injury was. I was watching that game, but it's kind of like on like a separate TV. Do you, is it a concussion or was it knee or I can't even I don't even know but I honestly uh, I do not know but it it must not be if he's I, I saw something that he practiced like he practiced fully today so okay. I don't um I don't know I this this to me is a this this feels like a like a, a three touchdown K State win to me and again, I just I just don't think Kansas is very good I I just do not think that's a very good football team and I think Kansas State is is a really good football team. It was a head injury, so hmm, I don't love that. Yeah. So it's all it's lean, all about yeah. whether or not he passes protocol. Which these days it's it's harder to pass it within a week. So 
Yeah, I think this is K-State or pass as well. I mean, they, they're trying to entice you with the hook, the seven and a half, the, the seven and a hook to take Kansas at home. But, man, with the uncertainty at quarterback, yeah, I think I think I would I'd probably – Kansas State or pass on that one. Other one is Texas-Iowa State. We're going to save that for the picks because it's kind of an interesting matchup, and I know it has a lot to do with, uh, you, know, you know, obviously Iowa State at home and – you know, could they knock off Texas and potentially help out OU? So we'll get to that at the end here. So let's go to our picks. And, well, it was a great week for both of us. I was 5-0. and You were 4-1. and one. I, You know, just seeing the, seeing the board well. I wish I would have – I made I made a couple switch picks in my year-long game I play. Like, for example, uh, I like if you remember on the show last week, I switched two of my picks in the middle of the podcast, which is normally a bad idea. Ended up working out. I, I switched. I think I switched from Washington. I moved that over to Utah, and Utah kind of miraculously covered that. That was the one game you missed. You were on Washington, and I was on Oregon. And then you convinced me to switch it over to USC, and USC kept it close and was able to cover the fifteen or fifteen and a half. But when it came to push, came to shove, I actually ended up backing Oregon, and uh, in my in my year long game, which cost me a point. And that wasn't there was a one bad. Other one. That wasn't a bad handicap on your spot. That game was 36-7 to in the fourth quarter, wasn't it? I don't think it was that bad. I think it was always kind of close, wasn't it? It was what? Was it that bad? Is that bad of a yeah, beat? I thought, I, yeah, I think, I, think you, I think USC just scored the last two touchdowns of the game to backdoor cover. Uh, let me see. Now I got to look it up. Now I'm curious. So I was watching the first half of that game. Let's see. Oregon was up twenty-two to seven in the second quarter. They were up twenty-nine to fourteen. Oh, thirty-six to fourteen in the fourth. Granted, it was the very beginning of the fourth quarter, so USC had basically the entire fourth quarter to. Uh, but yeah, they were up thirty-six fourteen, and then USC scored two touchdowns in the fourth quarter. Man, man, and the last one came with three forty-four. But obviously, Oregon's defense is kind of like whatever. Game's over. Like. Uh, Man, but that, see, but that's the handicap of games like that, though. And I think I don't know. You didn't really bring up the back door, but that's basically what is always open, though, with a team as good as USC offensively, and they keep. I mean, that that many points, so you got you have to be aware of that. So, uh, anyways, on the podcast, if you're following our picks on the podcast, you're maybe making some money. On the season, somehow I'm thirty and fourteen, and you're right at five hundred. So, not terrible. All right, first game. ACC battle, Louisville at Miami. And this is a weird one. So it's basically a pick em, but on ESPN I saw that Miami is favored by a half a point, which I, I don't – you can't tie anymore in college football, can you? Like, can you tie? That's what overtime's for. I don't no, think you can tie. You cannot it just tie. Keeps going. So the only reason why that ma- like a half point would matter is if somehow a tie was possible. Obviously, in the NFL, you still can tie. But I, you never see a point spread at just – a half so it's basically pick them so louisville miami's pick them miami gotta give them credit they pushed florida state last week covered that one but man i just i guess i backed i did back miami last week actually uh but i, I can't back them two weeks in a row i i think like louisville i just don't like mario cristobal <laughs> i'm just gonna bet against them so in a pick em situation i'll just i'll grab louisville even though they're on the road I'll go with Miami here. Um, wow, I mean, Louisville's 10th in the country. Weird. They haven't beaten a single good team this season. Um, they beat Notre Dame. Oh, that's right. They did, didn't they? 
great. Yeah, they yeah they, they haven't beaten a single good team this season. No, I'm kidding. They beat um, Duke without uh, with I think Riley Leonard though was injured. Yeah, good. I mean, good job. What's uh you know Brom over at Louisville is obviously doing a really good job, but that just it's top ten team going on the road to play a pretty s wordy Miami team, and they're not even like favored or anything. I this Louisville team's not very good, man. Yeah, it's it's kind of a squirrely line. You're right, you're right. But it's weird that it's not. Yeah, I mean, it's like pick them. It's they're basically saying that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You you could be right on this one. I'll I'll stick with it though. I won't change it. But yeah, uh, weird line. Next up, Georgia and Tennessee. Georgia is favored by ten on the road at Tennessee. I did not include Tennessee's ranking. They're ranked. I know they're ranked. Uh, Georgia's obviously number one. By the way, so even saying how good Georgia is. I actually did watch a little bit of Georgia and gets Ole Miss. I'll say this. Georgia is really good. And it's, it's just simply because I think over time, they'll just, they'll just wear you down on defense. Like you have to be, you have to be on every single drive and you're right. Carson Beck is a good player. Like he, he just kind of hits the timing, right? Like, I, I mean, I know Bowers came back. I'm not sure how many other like guys he has to throw to beside Bowers. I know he has that, uh, Lad McConkey's a, a really good player. He's good, but like, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. But he doesn't look like he's anything special. Like, I, I guess he's yeah because he's, he's a Drake white Stoops dude. He's, Come on, man. No, like I was watching. Like he just doesn't. I don't know. Like, like when I watch their running backs, like like okay, those guys are good. Uh, Ole Miss's running back is really good. That I can't even uh, think. Quinchon Judkins. Yeah, yeah, um, and also. Uh, I, I like Jackson Dart. Jackson Dart's got some got some talent. I, I, he's he's a good player. He's had a good year. Uh, he's had a good season. I, I will say I'm confident, and I don't know if this is that controversial. I be I'm confident that Oklahoma's got a better defense than Ole Miss. <laughs> I think Oklahoma's defense is better than Ole Miss's defense. Uh, but I don't know. Lane Kiffin's not known for defense, so that might not. Yeah, be I think OU much. is. I think OU is better than Ole Miss. I mean, not. I, I don't. It's not uh, dramatic. Be, it's not dramatic. But like, it's. Yeah, maybe. I mean, Ole Miss would be favored if they played. They played on a neutral. Ole Miss would be favored probably by three and a half, four. I bet. Oh, I don't. I don't know about that. I don't know. I think. I think they would. Anyways, I just want to say that because I think your whole Georgia spiel is probably right. They're probably on their way. I mean, they keep playing like that. They're not going to lose. I mean, they're. I mean, they might. They might even blow out Alabama playing like that. So. Yeah, no, they're, they're gonna. I, uh, as of right now, it's. I think it's it's just it's utterly illogical to pick anyone else to win the national championship right now. That being said, I'm gonna bat my guy Josh here. I'm gonna take the ten. I'll take the ten points at home with Tennessee. I'm at. I'm on Georgia here. That's not. It's very very easy pick. Easy, huh? So my logic behind that is we were talking about how Georgia. As I try to get back to the. I want to look at Georgia's schedule because we were talking about how Georgia had a pretty rough schedule kind of towards the end of the season. And this is kind of the, yeah, this is the third game. I mean, they had Missouri, who Missouri played pretty well against them. Then they have Ole Miss, both at home. Like, obviously, Ole Miss, I mean, in the first half, that was a game, and then they separate after halftime because I think Georgia just kind of wears on you. But now, I mean, this is the third straight opponent that – can pose a problem for Georgia in theory, and you're going on the road, and you're coming off a big a, you know, blowout win over Ole Miss. So I think there is some let down is too strong of a word, 
but just like the energy level going on the road, third straight game where it's like a, like a quality opponent. I think that could wear on them, and 10 points is a lot, so I'll grab the 10. That's that's my handicap of why I'm grabbing That's a good team. handicap. And also, you know, at Georgia, the other, they're playing a Georgia Tech team next week, which Georgia Tech's not good, but they actually have a, a little bit of a pulse for the first time in about five or six years. Weird, Haynes King having a, have, having a really solid year for Georgia Tech. They can complete forward passes. Yeah, uh, didn't they just play Clemson? Was that Clemson last killed. week? Yeah, they got they got killed. Yeah, I but watched I'm just a lot saying, of that like, game. It was I, I I just wanted to bring it. I was like, yeah, I mean, if you on paper at the beginning of the season, Georgia's schedule was a joke oh, for like yeah. for a national championship favorite, and it's turned out they've they've actually played a really tough schedule this year, which would be good. They're like you can't really there there's been there's been plenty of you know national championship you know champions from the SEC who I felt like have just kind of the SEC scheduling gods have blessed them and they never really got challenged at all. And I, uh, that, that's not the case with Georgia this year. Yeah, I agree. And also I'll add this to my handicap. Tennessee just got bl- uh, blasted by Missouri last week on the road. So I, total bounce back spot where they're like, oh man, we just got embarrassed. So either that's what Tennessee is and they just got their butts kicked and they're going to get their butts kicked again, or Josh will get them going up and, you know, in, in this home matchup. So, I'll grab the ten. I think um, I think how good Hendon Hooker was last year for Tennessee is kind of overshadowed, or it, it hasn't actually. It's it, it it had a lot more to do with their success last year than I think a lot of people are willing to give credit for. Joe Milton coming in, you know, and playing, and then beating Clemson in the Orange Bowl. I think for a lot of people validated what they did for the entire season, but Tennessee has been a little punchless this year. Next game, and I think for the first time this year, this is crazy. I think this is the first time in our pick segment where we have a game where it's a by the book or like whatever you would always say on the show, like, oh, this number is telling you to take this one team, take the team, and it's number 20 North Carolina on the road at unranked Clemson, and the home team is favored by six and a half against a ranked opponent. I think the the book says you grab the unranked, the unranked home favorite, and you you sleep you sleep easy, which is what I'll do. That is also what I'm going to do. Um, and I also just have the knowledge that North Carolina has been for the last month has just been shady as hell. <laughs> Thing is, I listen to you know Chicago Bears podcast, and so obviously the Bears are probably going to pick another quarterback <laughs> again and. You got Caleb Williams out there, but I've heard, I heard a lot of Drake May talk, and I have not watched Drake May play a lot. So I'm going to have to watch Drake May play a lot just in the, kind of in the offseason lead up to the draft because the Bears might draft him, even though they may not because he's another North Carolina quarterback like Mitchell Trubisky was, and I, even though he's probably a lot better than Trubisky. And now I'm in a spot where I'm like, I'm not even sure if Caleb Williams is the right guy because I'm not sure either just, after a while. He hasn't been very good crazy? this year. He hasn't been very good. sad. I mean, he's he's really good, but I'm just he's still like, really ah. good. I I just I'm Dylan Gabriel has been better than Caleb Williams. This year. It's a bad organization. Like he needs he needs to go somewhere that's a lot more steady. That like I think with the Bears he'd probably fail. Like all the quarterbacks do with the Bears, they all suck. Sorry, Justin Fields. Actually, in a, in yeah, a weird way, I think I think Carolina would probably be a good spot for Caleb Williams. Um, which it's not going to happen because Carolina leveraged all their picks to get Bryce Young, who. 
I've always said is just Colt McCoy and uh, his NFL career up to this point kind of confirms that. But um, I don't know. I mean, I think that like Carolina with Frank Reich as their head coach there, I think would probably be a good fit for him. But um, no, I mean, I think there's how can you not after this season have a little bit more pause with Caleb Williams? That doesn't take away his talent and his ability and all of that, but he's regressed. He's he's been worse this year than he was last year, objectively. Yeah, and I get that. You know, a lot of people like, oh, his defense, and he's got to carry the team. Yeah, but like, that's kind of what he signed up for. Sorry, you're going to follow Lincoln Riley. I mean, sorry, the defense is going to be crap. <laughs> so, and also well, they don't have figure- they don't have great receivers. Also, Taj Washington and Brennan Rice being your top two receivers is not is not really what you want for a high-flying offense. Man, maybe we should remember this next year whenever some high-flying player does a bunch of cool stuff in the first week or two of the college football season, and we, everyone starts trying to like compare him to like Reggie Bush. Zachariah Branch, has he done anything since the first month of the year? Yeah, he's been like, kind of banged up and stuff too, but you know, of course oh, he's he is. Been hurt. Of course he is. Well, yeah. But like it's, yeah, no, he hasn't been incredible. Like it's, I, OU's... Nick Anderson is better than any receiver that USC has right now. Uh, and Drake Stoops is, too. I, it's so... Oh, yeah. All right, so we're both on Clemson. <laughs> uh, next two games. So, uh, big Pac-12 battle. Washington and Oregon. Uh, Oregon State, sorry. Uh, this line is... Uh, this is interesting line. Oregon State's... I mean, they're number 11. Washington's number 5. Oregon State at home laying two and a half. I am shocked this is not Washington favored by two and a half. Uh, I figured they would kind of give that to I think Washington. I think, it, I think it opened with Washington being favored. So it's shifted. Hmm. I mean, like, I'm sure in the summertime, it probably was Washington favored. But, I mean, you think, like, at the start of the week, it opened like that? I think, yeah. I think it started at Washington, like, minus one and a half. It shifted a ton. Interesting. I want to double check that now. I mean, everybody was, I mean, I've been saying, I've been saying for the last month that Washington is going to, their first loss is going to be to Oregon State. Like, this isn't, like, I don't, I don't just pull that out of my butt, like, with my intellect and everything. Like, this is, like, a lot of, a lot of people have felt that way. And clearly, I think the money flow is, is confirming that. Look at this. I should be an odds maker, because, yeah, it it opened at Washington, minus two and a half. Exactly where I kind of, so, I guess the question is, do you do you believe the odds makers and you think that the, I mean they've shifted the line that's six points Did the math right five points five sometimes I'm bad with that math yeah five I mean that's that's a big old shift uh, but I'm gonna go ahead and go with my gut thinking that Washington should have been favored and I'm gonna grab I'll grab Washington I know you're gonna be on Oregon State apparently yeah I'm on, I'm on Oregon State just because I I can't let the shifting line you know, fact, like, this is what I thought. I was I was going to be on Oregon State no matter what in this game. Um, but, yeah, I mean, like, the public money coming in on Oregon State I, absolutely is, like, if I'm looking at it from a gambling perspective, kind of kind of tightens my BH a little bit for sure. <laughs> Here's the thing. If this gets to three, Oregon State by three, that would be alarm bells to me, thinking, like, oh, gosh, Beavers. Go with the Beavers. Because I, I don't think the oddsmakers want this to get to three. If it does, though, that, that to me, that tells me there's a lot of money coming in on Oregon State. They're like, oh, God, we got to get some buyback on Washington because we're, we're in a bad spot here because, yeah. Well, I mean, a lot of it has to do with Oregon State. They're just good at home. And also, Washington has been flirting with disaster for a month now. Yeah. 
They have been. It's true. That's true. Finally, Big 12 battle. Texas and Iowa State. Texas on the road, number seven, favored by seven and a half at Iowa State. I think I think this is one of those situations where, you know, we all want to see Iowa State pull off this upset, get this win. I've been on the record in this podcast saying that I think Iowa State kind of stinks. Granted, our entire segment 20 minutes ago, I kind of contradicted myself saying that the Big 12's got a lot of good teams. So I guess I have Press to take plus, that back. Iowa State is the... Uh Outside of that top three, it is the best team in the Big 12, which I would agree with that. That's what my eyes show me in Big 12 play. I just don't. I still don't see it. I, I, I do see that Becht is a much better quarterback than Hunter Deckers ever was. So they got that going for him. But, man, they, they don't play anybody good. And they play anybody that's any good that they've, they, haven't, they haven't won. So I, I'm going ah, to grab yeah, Texas. I mean, I think Rocco Becht is good, and I think I still think actually uh, Danny Stutzman's the best defensive player in the conference. Him and Tavondre Sweat are. Uh, TJ Tampa's the best corner in the conference, though. And that's that that goes for something. Um, I'll be honest with you. I'm on Texas here. There's no way Iowa State wins this game. In no world can Texas lose this game. It's just not going to happen. No way it can happen. So we are both on Texas. The thing is, I mean. No the way it happens. There is just no way on earth Texas loses this game. There's no way it can happen. Yeah, I mean, I think Iowa State got Oklahoma State at the perfect time playing, like kind of like when they just decided, okay, it's conference play. Now we're actually going to try. And they beat Oklahoma State by a, a touchdown when Oklahoma State actually like ended up being, I think, a good team. And they played a, a real team in Oklahoma, and Oklahoma just wiped the floor with them save for a couple of explosive plays that were just like, what are you doing, OU? Like, this team is incapable of moving the football. Then, I guess they beat TCU, who TCU was floundering in the middle of the year, okay. Then they got wins over Cincinnati and Baylor and BYU. In the middle of that, they played a good team, in my opinion, Kansas, and they lost to Kansas. So, now they're playing a good team in Texas. They're probably going to get beat by 17 points or 14 to 17 points, I would bet. Especially after Texas almost lost to, lost to TCU. Yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, happy to be wrong about it, but I'll go with Texas. Yeah, I just can't, I just can't envision any scenario where the uh, powerhouse of Texas football <laughs> playing for a Big 12 championship goes on the road and loses to Iowa State names. I just cannot envision that happening at all. Well, nor can I, given this scenario. Texas right, by let's 50. Recap the picks. All right, you and I, were split on Louisville-Miami. You're on Miami. I am on Louisville. That game is basically a pick em. Miami's the home team. We're split on Georgia-Tennessee. I am on Tennessee plus the 10. You're on Georgia on the road laying 10. We are both on Clemson at home laying 6.5. And, and just uh, we talked about how this is kind of like, oh, that number's telling you to take Clemson. It's because just normie betters, people that don't understand anything about lines they'll see like north carolina number 20 and they're catching points gimme 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 and i think historically the there's a reason why they're catching points you, you want to take the the home team even though six and a half is a lot of points for a clemson offense that's not very good uh so we're both on clemson we're split on washington oregon state you are on oregon state at home laying two and a half i will grab the two and a half with the huskies and finally we are both on texas minus seven and a half on the road at 
Iowa State. That just about does it. Trying to see if I have anything else to say. I think I'm, I think I'm all talked out tonight, Grant. What about you? Yeah, you know, I just hope they, uh, hope OU can, uh, can win in what I assume is going to be their only trip to Provo in our lifetimes. I hope it's a good one. Yeah. I hope so as well. So we'll be back to talk all about OU BYU either Saturday or Sunday. I guess it's 11 a.m. kick, so who knows? We'll see. Uh, Until then, for Grant, I am Lee. This is West of Everest. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe to the show. And if you want to help us spread the word, please leave us a five-star review. And also, tell all of your friends who are OU fans about West of Everest. You can listen to this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and SoundCloud.